MoreLikeRadio.com. It's our duty to entertain you. <laughs> I said duty. Only alcohol can make life bearable. You must drink, always drink. I blame this all on Kevin, DMU. Has anyone ever known a good person named Kevin? We, we hung out with, with Kevin from Alcohol by Volume. And he only says like three words. He, he's like really shy. He barely talked to me. Towards the end of the night when he was drinking more, man, he, he, was, he was right there with us talking a mile a minute. Alcohol by Volume? <sighs> I'm actually kind of drunk. Alcohol by Volume, awesome show. You really want to get drunk? <laughs> Listen to that show because by hour two he's blitzed. I bet. Oh, it's awesome. Because it's a beer show. Kevin, some stupid his weird story. Polish last name. Yeah. Where's your dedication there, Kevin? Your own show or someone else's? Alcohol in my volume. Alcohol in volume. I shove alcohol in my butthole. That's not it. It's nothing to do with butthole. I mean, can you even get drunk anymore? It's kind of like a drinking a vitamin, right? So you're blaming the drunkard. Yes, I'm blaming the MLR drunkard, Kevin. Hello, bartender. I have thought it over, and far from being a fat pig, you are very nice. And I would like another drink. Take a barf, drunkie! Hey everybody, my apologies, I am not live today because my router is in the process of shitting itself and I don't have a new one on the way until I believe about Wednesday. So uh, for this week, I uh, threw together some best of clips for you. Uh, The first one, it is um, the tirade or the diatribe or whatever from uh, when I basically explained why I drink, uh, going into rants about my job and all that shit. Um, next one I got up is, uh, the topic we had about, uh, is it bad to drink alone? And, uh, you know, went on with that for a little bit. And then finally, that will encompass, uh, the greatest part of this show is from back in, I believe it was March of last year, the interview with Chris Spradley. There's a reason I put this up because I have a new interview scheduled with him for next week. So uh, I figured this was kind of a good time to put it up as a best of. So again, sorry not live this week. Sorry to disappoint the throngs of fans in the chat room. But uh, I'll be back live next week. Until then, enjoy this. You're listening to the best of alcohol by volume on More Like Radio. So you know what? Let, 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 me, let me start this off with a rant. And th- this is a personal rant. And... Ugh. The week that I've had, the last part of last week, the beginning of this week, it is just a rant that needs to happen, and it is entitled, Why I Drink. Yes. By Kevin. I don't know if I need a byline on that or whatnot. <sighs> so, a lot of you know that uh, I, I've had the same job for the past, well, come this uh, August and September, technically I think it's September, it will have been 15 years at the same job. I started back in September of 1999. And, well, yes, it's also because I'm an alcoholic dentist, but, and if, if you don't know what I'm talking about, 
Uh, Dennis, Western Echo in the chat. MoreLikeRadio.com slash live. Join in the chat shenanigans. And of course, I'll pistol whip the next person that fucking says shenanigans. So, yeah, I've been at, I will have been at my job for 15 years. Started there back in September of 1999. I basically, without giving too many details, I work at a university. I do IT, AV work. It's not a difficult job. I fully admit this. There are days when it's rough, but overall, it's not that difficult work. I'm not, I'm not a fucking coal miner. I'm, I'm not on the Bering Sea, you know, pulling an Alaskan crab. So I, I have no illusions about that. But when I started there, I was just a regular employee doing my thing. Then my supervisor retired and basically left me the department, which was amazing. Um, oddly enough, the uh, first first semester that I was in charge, um, well, within the first like or first or second week of the semester, uh, <laughs> September 11th happened. <laughs> Whoops! So that was interesting. Um, so I basically stayed in that capacity until July of 2008. And that was when everything went shitty. And thank you for that gift, Dennis. I, I approve of that. Um, that July 2008 was when everything went and I could say the shit hit the fan, but that doesn't even accurately describe it. Basically, what happened was, up to that point, my department had been under the jurisdiction of the university library. We were under their budget. My immediate superior was the library director, who I wasn't necessarily a big fan of his, but he let us do our thing. He let me innovate with technology he let me be creative. He he gave me full control and things were good. The faculty loved us. They loved what we did. Everything was happy. I liked the people. I I loved the people I worked with. Um well, okay, to be fair, one of my coworkers, yeah, you know, he was he, he was okay. I was cool with him. My the best coworker I've ever worked with. I don't even know if he listens to the show or not. So, Mike, if you do listen to the show, still the best person I've ever worked with in my goddamn life. It, we we just we had a good time, but we worked when we had to. So, we were under the jurisdiction of the library until July 2008, when they decided, ah, you know what? Why don't we actually uh, give them to like the actual IT department on campus? So I kind of kind of got the feeling that we were uh, being sold out at that point. And I was not incorrect. October, well, I'm sorry, let me start with September 2000. Nope, let me go back even further. I had had vacation days approved by my previous superior, the library director, and I don't use my vacation days during the regular semester because I'm responsible like that. I save them up, I just use them during the summer, and I'll take a week off at a time. Well, this one summer, I decided I was going to take off a couple consecutive weeks at a time. Actually, no, I take that back. I actually took off the entire month of July, I believe. There was very little going on. I had coworkers I could rely on in the office. It wasn't that big a deal. If any 
any disasters occurred, they knew where to reach me and I could help. So anyway, I was gone that entire month and this was when the changeover was happening. Now, I had had this these vacation days set up well in advance and I wasn't changing that because four weeks of vacation, I, I only had July and up till the end of August to use them. So fuck that. And um, sorry, Scrams, I'll kill, I'll kill that gif. Apparently the gif that Dennis put is not good on the phone, but it is a good gif from, uh, I believe, Super Troopers, which I, I know I know a bunch of Super Troopers quotes, and uh, I'm ashamed to say I've never seen the movie. Um, just call me Hammy. <laughs> so, anyway, I was gone the entire month of July, had to use up my vacation days, so that's when I did it. When I got back, the new boss, somebody I knew but did not particularly care for, basically bitched me out and said, you're never doing that again. You're never taking consecutive weeks off. How dare you? And that was the first sign of things to come. Let's flash forward to September 2008. Now, to give you an illustration of us in the department, there were three of us. It was me, my... uh, co-worker, another technician, and our department secretary, who basically kind of manned the fort of the office when we were out doing our tasks, helping out on campus, you know, helping faculty and everything, she would man the phones. I don't know, is that sexist? Man the phones? Woman the phones? I don't know. Um, anyway, apparently my boss wanted her to s- report to work at the other campus. Of course, this is kind of limiting... Um, the um, the anonymity of where I work, but eh, whatever, I don't give a shit. The other campus, an hour away, she had a kid in daycare, not cool. So after that, she had to quit because he was demanding it. She had to quit. At least that story has a happy ending because she is working at the campus in a completely different department now as a... Um, as another, like, admin assistant, and, um, oh, Scrams calls me half a hammy. Believe me, Scrams, if you knew the movies I hadn't seen, you would call me hammy and a half. Just in movies, not, not in terms of weight. Then, then I'm half a hammy, and that's fine. Um, yeah, I gotta see Super Troopers. You know what? If it's on Netflix, I'll watch it at work tomorrow. (laughs) Provided I don't have any interruptions. See, that, that, that's, that's, that's how good my job can be. Can be. The, the, the times in between help desk calls and everything, I can sit at my desk and do such things. I can do other work while I'm watching a movie, but I can just throw on my second laptop or put it on my second monitor and I can watch a TV show, a movie. I mean, I, I started watching How I Met Your Mother, a show that I thought I would hate and apparently, actually, I really enjoy and just finished season one today. But anyway, um, and I said anonymity just fine, but monkey. I'm, ooh, Dennis has an excellent idea. Secret show, watching Super Troopers. Set that up, Dennis. I am totally in for that. Completely in for that. Uh, shit, my weekends are actually free for the next... Well, okay. Not this Friday, because god damn it, I have a shoot this Friday. But beyond that, I'm fucking good. And he'll stab me repeatedly for not having not yet seen it. But, okay. I, I'm up for that. Anyway. Ah, okay, so that was that was September of 2008. 
Let's go to October of 2008. My coworker in my office, and of course, you know, department secretary was not, uh, the position was not refilled, and the position uh, just ended up disappearing, oddly enough. And it was a union position, which the union doesn't really like those positions disappearing into vapor. But anyway, my coworker, he gets fired, uh, and the claim, I, I think the official claim was, punctuality issues. They escorted him off campus, no union contact, no nothing, no no official warnings or anything like that. He got fired and it was a very sketchy situation, which allowed my boss to put in one of his guys. Now, I should probably mention because th- this is this is pertinent, this is relevant, pertinent, relevant, relevant to the whole thing. Um okay. Next Friday, I believe I'm good for that, Dennis. I uh, got a chiropractor appointment at 4:30, but after that, yo, uh, God, did I just say yo? What the fuck? God damn it, Dropbox! I know that Antisocial Gamer Radio was added. You don't have to keep telling me. Um, let me backtrack. I'll see where the fuck was I? October fired. And oh, okay, yes, okay, my boss is from India. The guy that he put into my office was also from India. Coincidence? Perhaps. Maybe. I don't know. But over the next... Let's see. He left... uh, It's 2014 right now, so... uh, Let's just say over the next five years or so, and that's that's a good... God damn... Punchy, you're getting skinny. What the fuck? And if you don't know what I'm talking about, Punchy from what Markout Radio, Brain Stew. I don't know what other fucking shows he's on. 360 on 420 half the time. Um, selfie of him in the chat. God damn, dude. You are looking svelte. Very svelte. So, um, for the next five years, this fuckhole of a co-worker uh, consistently comes in late consistently calls in sick when he has the sniffles, doesn't do his work, uh, doesn't have the knowledge to do his work. As a prime example one time, he got called out on a help desk call, and uh, I think I I was out at lunch at the time. I came back from lunch. He calls the office saying he can't figure out the problem. I'm like, okay, so he needs help. So I go up to the classroom to help him, only to find that he's gone. I'm like, okay. Okay, I go into the classroom, easy fix, fix the problem, come back to the office, he's sitting in the office, he abandoned the fucking situation. So, yeah. So, over the next five years, it just, and think back to when I took that month of vacation. Well, my boss had no problem with this co-worker taking two plus months of straight vacation. And this is on top of other vacations he took during the year. He was actually getting extra vacation days over the year, authorized by my boss and kind of finagled through HR. Bit of frustration there. Now, I'm fine with the vacation days I have. I don't, I don't, I don't need more of them. I, I have to kill them off during the summer anyway. But it's still very fucking frustrating. And th- this idiot coworker, he he killed so many laptops, 
Uh, oh, I got the virus on it. I don't know what happened. An IT guy is not supposed to be getting viruses. On... I can forgive it if it happens once. I have been guilty of you know malware on my computer. It happens. It happens when you end up on Pirate Bay and shit like that. But full blown viruses, and I'm not talking once, not twice, at least half a dozen times. A quote. IT professional should not have that happen to them. One time he asked me, now, I am not shitting you with this. One time he asked me, is it okay to put this external HDD on the desk? Yes, HDD, hard drive, yeah. Now, he wasn't he wasn't asking if it, you know, like a, a docking bay or something like that for the hard drive. No, 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 no. He was asking about an external hard drive, regular external hard drive that you use with a computer. Um, you know, it's it's in an enclosure, and it's not like our desks are electrified or something. That was a serious question that he asked, and I got questions like that all the god damn time he didn't know what a solid state drive was again i'm not expecting the layman to know what a solid state drive is if you do good for you or rather good for you sorry i had to bring that back again but a quote it professional so many days i wanted to bash his fucking skull in and and during the day he would he would disappear for hours at a time. I don't know where the fuck he was. Boss would call the office. Where is he? I don't know. Oh, okay. Well, when he gets back, just have him call me. Meanwhile, if I, God forbid, go to the bathroom and don't answer a phone call from my boss, freaks the fuck out. So, let, 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 let's move up to like the past week and a half. As I've mentioned previously on the show, and I just realized I opened this beer and have had yet to take a sip, which I desperately need now. <sighs> yeah, Red Sox in the chat. A little late to the show, but I'm guessing Kevin really loves his job. Yeah. <sighs> this this was a rant that needed to fucking happen. And and, and the, the funny thing about this is that I, I know... I know I have colleagues at my job that listen to this show. And you know what? I, I'm fine with them knowing exactly how I feel about this because it, my, my, my job is dysfunctional. It is very dysfunctional. So anyway, this past, I, I'd really say past week and a half, I've mentioned on the show before, I, I, I have, I have, anxiety issues, you know, beyond the regular social anxiety, you know, anxiety triggers, shit like that, I go to a therapist, all that fun stuff, I'm on medication, <sighs> past week and a half, it's it, it's gotten to the point where I get stress headaches, <laughs> okay, wait, hold on a second, Scram's in the chat, he loves his job and loves dot heads even more, yeah, and, uh, Dolly in the chat says, should have moved to Minnesota. Sherry, believe me, if it wasn't for the fact 
that we just went through a ridiculously grueling winter here. And I know Minnesota is that much worse. (laughs) I would have jumped at that job in a fucking heartbeat. Oof. Because believe... This is why I've been asking people, particularly like around Florida, if you know headhunters and stuff like that, I'm I'm applying for jobs all over the goddamn place. Because... Even 15 years in this job, it's stability, but it is driving me insane. From the moment I get out of my driveway in the morning, and my my commute in the morning is maybe about a rough 35 minutes or so. From the moment I get out of my driveway, stress, headache, nausea. Past week and a half, that's how it's kicked in. And you know how stress can sometimes affect your digestive system as well? Yep, got that going too. <sighs> so that's been very fun for the past uh, past week and a half. Um, and the problem is when I get home, I start to drink. When I start to drink, obviously the anxiety and nausea go away and that's when I start to emotionally eat and, well, thankfully my calories for the week have been okay. Yeah, I know, faggot, 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 yeah. But, oh, Jesus. (sighs) Yes, sir. Hey, Kevin. (laughs) Am am I losing my mind here? Uh, Yeah, I just wanted to ask, are you alright, buddy? Want to talk about it? Fuck. I should have known that was coming. I mean, there it is. It's Tuesday. It's 6 p.m. I'm thinking, hey, it's fun time. Hey, let's listen to Kevin. Alcohol by volume. A fun, <laughs> loving alcohol show. And it's just not penning out that way. It's just, it's just anger tonight. No, it, it'll, it'll be fun in a little bit. No, dude, seriously, I know exactly what you're talking about. Oof. I'm dealing with this shit every yeah. day. Ugh. It, it just, it, it is, it is unreal, like, how, well, actually, I guess it's not unreal how people in management are allowed to stay in that position and do what they do. I was going to say, it's quite the opposite of unreal. It's extremely common. Yeah, and and believe me, I would not want to be in any kind of management position because, first of all, I know I would not be a good manager Um, because probably I wouldn't be able to be a fucking dickhead like my boss. <laughs> oh, jeez. Scrams in the chat. Raging for ABV. Yes, yes, yes. Oh, it, Sherry says you sound like shit. Um, I don't know. I, I, I'm I'm getting a little bit of a kind of kind of hiss, but eh, whatever. Yeah, but she's in Minnesota. Oh yeah, that's probably it. you know it, it takes a while to get there, and they're probably under snow again. <laughs> They'll be under snow until like July seventh. Oxtail wants to know have if three days of summer. Oxtail wants to know if you're talking on the phone or using an electric razor or vacuuming. Who me? <laughs> And the funny thing is, I, I have my Skype level, like, I don't know, relatively low, too. Uh, I think I'm fine, but okay. If I sound like shit, I'll leave. I don't know. It's, pro- it's probably my shit. I don't know. I got a shitty little board. No, I, I, I didn't set it up properly. I've just, uh, actually, we recorded a podcast yesterday, and I still haven't listened to it. I think it's going to sound like shit. I'm going to have to spend three days cleaning it up. Okay, make sure Dutch doesn't hear it. He'll lose uh. his goddamn mind. <laughs> I'm going to personally send it to him. Oh, that's a good idea, then. Send it to him completely unedited. Maybe he'll fucking kill himself. <laughs> All right, I'm going to go now. Thank you, Dennis. Have a good show, sir. Thanks. All right. Mr. Western Echo. Uh, from, well, just about just about everything MLR-related. Ah, 
So yeah, that that is basically my job right now. So that that is why I drink. You're listening to the best of alcohol by volume on more like radio. You know what? I uh I got one little topic here before I go to break. I actually brought this up on the Facebook uh, group today. And let's see, which one's the Facebook group? The Facebook group is facebook.com slash groups slash alcohol by volume. And I actually got a shockingly great response to the question. And it, it's something it's something I've really thought about. Um, it, there, It's something there's kind of a stigma behind and I'm, I'm wondering if there should be a stigma, if there's kind of caveats to that stigma and whatnot. But the question I asked was, is it always bad to drink alone? Now, that's saying, if you're drinking alone, is it always a bad thing? Now, on the same note, is it a bad thing to always drink alone? You know, two, two slightly different questions there. So I, I did get a lot of responses there. And the reason I brought that up was because most of the time, see, my, my wife, even before she was pregnant, she did not really drink. If we had a bottle of Kahlua in the house, maybe occasionally she might like have a Kahlua and cream. Uh, there was a point where I had like, it was like a strawberry daiquiri mix where, you know, I'd, I'd blend some of that up for her, things like that. But for the most part, she, she really doesn't drink. I mean, you know, we got to take care of a kid and one of us has to be lucid and God knows it ain't me. So, um, but she just, it, it doesn't really, doesn't really do it for her anyway. Um, but um, I don't, I don't often go out to drink with people. It's a very rare occurrence. I mean, like the last time, okay, <laughs> last two times, um, <laughs> Scrambler says, I don't know, ask P-Rock or look in a mirror. Yes, thank you, Scrambler. Um, like when I went out with um, Western Echo, Hammy, Punchy a few weeks ago, I only had a couple beers when we were out, but I I don't even know if you'd qualify that as out drinking, but you know, Dennis had a drink too, so I mean, I, I think that counts. But for the most part, when I go out, I, I don't really drink, and when I go out, I'm not often going out with friends. Usually I'm just out with my wife. I mean, if we go out for dinner somewhere, I might get a beer, usually just one beer. If we're at like Buffalo Wild Wings or whatever, I'll get the uh, Red Hook Game Changer because that's pretty much the only place I can get that. But otherwise, probably like 99% of my drinking goes on at home with the exception of those occasional times where I'm completely sick of work and I have a beverage in my car, allegedly, in the back seat, uh, car not running, keys nowhere near me, and uh, nobody can see me. All alleged. Although, uh, I think uh, Brent called me out on that one point. <laughs> um, but a, a lot of a lot of good responses on the Facebook group. Uh, we'll start with uh, Brent here. Uh, how alone are we talking? As long as the voices in my head keep talking to me, I'm not technically alone, right? Okay. First one is a smart-ass answer, which I would accept from you guys. Um, ooh, Scrumpy Skedaddle 5K and 10K run, JK Scrumpy Flushing, Michigan. That would be fucking awesome, Scrambler. I would love doing that. Oh, why don't they do stuff like that out here? God damn it. I gotta see it. I, I, I gotta approach the breweries out here about doing a fucking 5K. That'd be fantastic. Although I'm, right now I'm out of commission for at least a couple weeks. My next runs aren't until like late June. I got a color run and a mud run. 
So I got to be rehabbed for those. Uh, Sweet D, she said, what are we drinking and why? I think it might also depend on how much you're drinking. If you're getting blackout drunk every night, you might have a problem regardless of whether you're alone or not. Totally respect that. Usually when I am drinking at home, I limit it to, you know, maybe two or three beers. Even on show nights, I, um, when I killed off that growler of the uh, Defiant Orange Cream, that was, it was maybe about eight ounces. It wasn't even a full glass. Uh, I'm halfway through the McKellar Beer Geek Brunch Weasel, so that's almost two beers for me, sort of. Show nights, maybe three beers. Uh, so two, three beers at home tops. That's not even remotely close to blackout drunk for me. So, I mean, I'm, I'd say I'm good with that. And a lot of the time after work, when I am having those beers, I'm sitting on the couch with my wife. So technically I'm not alone. And she, she kind of brought that up in the comments too. She said, you're not necessarily drinking alone. I'm usually there in the room, but I would say you're the only one drinking. So she has a point there. Uh, let's see. Punchy says it is. So stop doing it. Well, I know he's going to hold an intervention for me one of these days. Uh, not a colored run scrap. <laughs> Jesus Christ. But uh, that definitely looks like one right there. I, I, anybody that's run a 5K, you know what a color run is, where they're throwing different uh, packets of brightly colored powder or whatever at you. Uh, Brent had another one on here. If you substituted the booze with soda, no one would question you for doing something wrong. Unless you were drinking excessively a couple of two liters a night, then your wife or someone else might mention to you that it's a problem. Yep. Um, D also jumped in again. She said, I don't think it's a big deal, especially since you review booze on a show. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. It's, it's, it's sometimes work related, especially on Tuesday nights. She went on to say, when my kid is with his dad, I'll have mimosas or hashtag mamosas, which I know Royce wants to punch the drink out of her hand for that or drink pink sparkling wine uh, by herself while she cleans or watches a movie. It's relaxing. Our good friend Sherry, who I believe is probably still in the chat somewhere, uh, she said a couple of her favorite me time activities, hot bubble bath, music and wine, or snuggled up with a blanket on the couch reading with wine. If you were getting belligerent drunk alone, then you'd have a problem. Again, I think the only, t- the only time I can remember, and it wasn't even belligerent drunk, belligerent drunk, but it was damn near blackout drunk, was the, uh, well, <laughs> it was the vodka show. <laughs> and I ended up paying the price for that by puking my guts out. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I was completely practically blackout drunk by the, uh, by the time my wife came home and I think, uh, I think that, w- yeah, that was the show where, uh, Hammy got like what, 1600 emails or whatever. So it's a very, very rare occurrence for me. Um, I mean, I don't even know if my wife's home right now, but I'm, I'm, I'm being responsible down here right now. I'm not going crazy. Um, I've, I've learned my lesson a few too many times. Um, Rich in Arizona says, my name is Kevin, and you're listening to Alcoholics Anonymous by volume. Thank you. Me like that. And then uh, Little Matt with the last one on here. If you're getting absolutely munted by yourself, a little bit of Australian lingo, I suppose, there is a problem. A quiet one by yourself is perfectly fine. So basically kind of the way I see it. Okay, yes. Oh, yes. Scrams has a great picture of a color run right there. God damn. Oh. She needs a shower after that. Goddamn. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm getting distracted. But I think the general consensus was 
as long as you're not getting totally shit-faced alone and getting totally shit-faced all the time, then totally acceptable. You know, if... And honestly, I mean, if if I if I did have friends to go out drinking with all the time, that would get fucking expensive. More expensive than it is already going to the liquor store and getting all the different craft beers that I get. Um, and I'd be even more poor than I am now. So I mean, it, but I I do it all within reason. Even even last week when when I had my complete fucking mental breakdown, I I I barely drank at all last week. So I mean. Even when my mood goes to shit, you know, sometimes sometimes I'll fall back on it as a defense mechanism. But, um, you know, I I don't have a problem. I can stop drinking anytime I want. You're listening to the best of alcohol by volume on more like radio. Let's see if this works. Uh, trying to call Chris Spradley of breweries, bars, and beer food. Let's see here. Hello. Hey, Chris. Yes, sir. Hi. Good to have you on here. How are you doing today? Uh, doing okay. And um, I have my guest co-host here today, Marianne. Hello. Hi. How are you? I am absolutely wonderful. We are very, very happy to have you on the show today. Uh, you are actually, I have to admit, the first guest I've had on my show. So I'm very, very pleased with that. Well, thank you for that honor. So um, for... My listeners that aren't aware of uh, what's going on with your show, I've, I've read up on what the show is basically about. But for my listeners who don't know, could you um, just kind of give a description of the show, what beer lovers are going to get out of it, stuff like that? Sure. Well, uh, the easiest way to uh, describe it is basically just to say that this, this show is all about uh, the people that make craft beer, the people that make great food, and the people who love both. And see that uh, that sounds perfect to me. Yeah, well, and you know, it's uh, it's this is a, a lot of this is bred of my own passion uh, for enjoying great beers and great food, um, and having worked in the beer industry now and, and met so many awesome people that uh, are really passionate about both of those things um, that this just uh, kind of made sense. And so the show is basically going to take people behind the scenes of. Uh, the brewery world. Um, so the, the idea being that we're going to give them um, details. We're going we're gonna to do a, basically a tour of the brewery, but we're going to take them farther than a, a normal brewery tour would take them. Uh, we're going to show them different brewing styles. We're going to talk about talk to the brewers and the owners and the various people involved uh, about the beers they're making and what they're doing, how they create the beers they're making, and so forth. Um, but then we're also going to be working with local chefs uh, for each episode. So in the case of the pilot that we shot uh, at Deschutes, mm-hmm. uh, they have a brew pub where they have an executive chef. And uh, he came in and we did some cooking with him. And uh, he made uh, four dishes for us that all were either made with beer or paired with beer. And then and, you're uh, going to have uh, the recipes, I believe, uh, up on the website too, correct? Yeah, exactly. Yep, so once once the show airs, um, the idea being that uh, people can watch the show, see the, the dishes being made, and then uh, they can go to breweriesbarsandbeerfood.com and they can actually see 
the recipes there that they just watched and they can make them in their own kitchen. And it, it seems like that that's a that's a niche that you don't really I haven't really seen it on TV that much. Any you know, cooking with beer really. You don't see a lot of beer-related TV shows out there right now. I think the closest one I could think of is probably Bar Rescue, and that's really just barely <laughs> touching upon it. Right. Yeah. And, and Bar Rescue doesn't obviously. You're right. It doesn't focus on beer. Um, those typically are. There's other issues involved in uh, the bars that they are rescuing. Uh, and you're right. There's no. There's no beer programming at all. Um, every once in a while, you will catch a glimpse of uh, craft beer being used. You know, like in Top Chef, they mm-hmm. might use beer as an ingredient or something yeah. like that. Um, but there are no real shows that um, that cater to the beer drinker in terms of not just cooking with beer, but pairing with beer. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's one of those things that's slowly coming around. Uh, people, obviously those of us that enjoy good beer, we've known this for a long time, uh, but the rest of the world is slowly coming around to the fact that beer is something you pair with food. You have a beer dinner. You can have uh, food made with beer, and it's it's gotten out there now, and I think that this is the time for a show like this. Yeah, because there, there was always there was always that sense that it was okay and accepted to pair your wine with uh you know food but beer right. beer always had that stigma almost that it wasn't i guess almost wasn't classy enough to be pairing with food and it, i've i've never understood that i i i try and do you know like really really minor pairing you know if if i'm having you know a certain kind of beer and a certain kind of dinner i'm you know not going to drink the wrong one with it you know but definitely not on the level that you're doing i know you're you're more of a professional when it comes to it um, i've been doing it for a while yeah and 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 you have you have, of course you have a history in the food industry too so i mean that definitely yes, helps sir. oh yeah well i mean i my uh my second job was no my first job sorry my first job was in a restaurant and uh, i've i've worked at a variety of restaurants but you know my uh my passion for for cooking was most mostly home bread. Um, it was just a desire to, well, you know, I tell people I like to eat and so I like to cook. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. And it just kind of, it, it literally was, it developed like that where I wanted to, I guess, become, I wanted to create food that was fun and, and, and I enjoyed eating and, um, and, and literally it, it was born of that. Uh, and I've been cooking now for 30 years. Wow. Um, you know, just it's, it's just kind of those things that, you know, you just enjoy doing it. And um, and I know there's a, probably a lot of people in your audience that, that understand what I mean when I say you come home from a hard day working and going to the kitchen is a source of stress relief. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, I, I get in there and I start chopping vegetables and I like this. And it's like my day just goes away. I'm chopping vegetables. I'm creating something in the kitchen. The aromas start to work in you. And the next thing you know, it's almost like you just spent three or four hours at a spa and got a massage and you're relaxed and you're good. And this is – it's just one of those kinds of feelings. And, it, and it's, it's a form of artistry in the end. I mean – Absolutely. You're – especially if you're, if you're kind of creating a dish on the fly as I tend to do in my kitchen, you know, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. And – 
it seems like sometimes every time you're creating something you know new and different and unique and there's just that joy in that absolutely you know and i I love doing that um it's actually kind of funny uh i i I cook for friends you know fairly regularly and a lot of times i just make something up i i I just kind of it, it could it could be a product of either this is what I've got in my fridge and in my pantry, or I have an idea to create something. Um, but you're absolutely right. It's, it, it's artistry when you can take some ingredients, combine them in such a way that it just becomes this whole other thing that brings so much pleasure, not only um, through the smell of it, uh, both in the as it's cooking, but certainly in the final product. The view as you look at it, this is this looks like something I want to eat. The taste of it, I mean, you have all your senses at work, and it's absolutely artistry. And and I know your show will just kind of expand that even further. Well, and that's that's part of the idea, um, you know, that you see, you you can obviously go to the Food Network, the Cooking Channel, and a few others, and you can watch these professional chefs just do their thing. Mm-hmm, yeah, and. You watch, and it, and it's it's this artistry, like you said, it's this artistry of watching these these guys. They're they're doing their thing, and um, they're creating these magnificent dishes. And to a degree, and I don't want to act like a, a pioneer of sorts, but to a degree, um, there is a pioneering aspect to this. That there are people that are like, I didn't know you could cook with beer. I didn't know you should pair with beer. I didn't know how to pair something with beer, and. We want to introduce people to that world. There's, there's, you know, the the Brewers Association estimates there's something like 95 million beer drinkers in the United States. Oof. And if you start to think about those numbers, um, and and what you can do in terms of cooking with beer or pairing with beer, and the opportunities that those things present, uh, there is a there, there's a there's a lot of room for us to go. And it's, it's a whole new world of flavors that you're introducing into the cooking mix, too. And a lot of people don't even seem to realize that. A lot of people, when they think beer, they're thinking, you know, your common Budweiser. You know, and stuff. It, they, once they start to explore into the world of the craft beers and, you know, the, the, the different, you know, hops blends and just all the, all the different ingredients that are added in now. It, sure. It just it creates a completely, a completely different plate. Well, and I think, you know, even, uh, you know, it doesn't matter really what your beer preference is. It doesn't matter whether you prefer the American Light Lager or you're an over-the-top beer geek that is like, oh, my God, Pine of the Elder is the best beer I've ever had. (laughs) Um, The the thing is is that you take what you like and you learn to enjoy it in a new way. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, you know, it, it could be as simple as doing something like a hamburger, but you do it in a new way with, a different type of a cheese or a sauce or, you know, whatever it is. And you take a beer and you, you use a certain kind of beer that pairs really well with either the meat you use or the cheese you use, you know, you you can take, you know, three different burgers. You can do a hamburger made of beef. You can do a hamburger made of deer meat and a hamburger made of bison. You're getting three different flavors there. Mm -hmm. You add cheeses, on there, whether it's an American cheese, a Swiss cheese, a blue cheese, a Gouda, you're getting different flavors there. Um, you add sauces on there. You can add a barbecue sauce. You can add a hot sauce. You can add, you know, a, 
a different kind of a, a beer uh, mixture, like a Black Butte Porter sauce. Uh, and you're getting a different flavor. And all of those combinations are going to require a different beer to pair with them because you're going to have something that's going to stand out about that burger that is going to require a different flavor in the beer in order to pair with it. Mm-hmm. And now you're having fun playing with your food, which is I encourage people to do. Play with your food. Play with your beer. And and don't be scared to don't don't be scared to fail with it. That's what I've found with cooking where. I Absolutely. I used to be so so apprehensive about adding like too much spice of something, and I realized okay I'm completely under seasoning my food, and now I just throw everything in there, and it's like <laughs> you know what, and if 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 it turns out bad, okay, experience you know I learned my lesson there, sure, and I try it again a different time, but sure. uh, and it, this seems to be like I'm I'm eventually going to try and get more into pairing with beer, cooking with beer. And I know I'm going to have a number of flops along the way, but I, I, honestly, I think that's part of the fun of it because you don't know right off what you're going to get out of it. Well, yeah, sure. I mean, in any in, in any process where you're kind of learning how to do something, uh, there are going to be – obviously, if you don't know what you're doing, you can't expect to be creating exactly. some amazing thing. Yeah. So absolutely, don't put the pressure on yourself that when you're in your kitchen playing around and trying something new, um, don't put that pressure on yourself that this has to be amazing. Just say, hey, look, I'm giving it a shot, and I'm going to see what happens. Uh, I, I mean, I actually – I did that last night. Um, I came home and uh, was – you know, just I wasn't sure what I wanted. I just wanted something to eat, and um, um, I had uh, some homemade mushroom soup, uh, like a brothy mushroom soup that I had made. I had some chicken and I had some linguine, some onions, garlic, that kind of thing, tomatoes. And I just created something. I didn't have a recipe. I just was like, okay, I'm going to saute this and I'm going to add this and I'm going to throw that in there. And next thing I know, I'm eating this meal. And I'm going, holy moly, this is good. And some of the best dishes come out of that. Yeah, exactly. And and that's it's, it's, it really is about having fun. Um, you know, again, for those, for those of – uh, your listeners that are maybe a little bit nervous about that or, you know, there are books out there you can, you can buy. There's certainly a lot of books out there on beer and food and, um, and pairing them up, um, or even recipes, uh, that you can use. Um, you know, I would, you can go buy one of those, but ultimately I would say just, just have some fun. If you have any cooking skills at all, just throw off the shackles and have some fun and try something. No, I think that is excellent, excellent advice. I mean, that's that's what I try and do when I'm when I'm cooking. Um, question regarding the show: I know um, your website says that um, you're planning on showing a preview uh, during American Craft Beer Week. Do you are you still kind of on schedule for that? And if so, do you know where potentially you'll be showing it? Yes, actually, we've already worked out those details. Um, the show is being edited as we speak, and I was uh, fortunate enough to uh, get a glimpse of the editing uh, as it's gone so far. Uh, yesterday, uh, the production company sent me a uh, like a, just a real quick couple of minutes, and I looked at it and was like, oh my gosh, this is even better than I thought. Um, it really made me very excited. But... Um, the editing process uh, will be complete. We'll have the pilot episode completely shot and they are uh, – or completely edited. And they are working on um, a – what we call a sizzle reel or a preview mm-hmm. 
Um, that will be debuted uh, on May the 14th, uh, which is the Tuesday of American Craft Beer Week. Mm-hmm. And the Brewers Association is actually going to be releasing that. Oh, nice. Yeah, the Brewers Association is going to put that on their website, and they are going to uh, – they'll be releasing uh, that video. Um, I think we're aiming for 9 o'clock uh, – what it be like? I think 9 o'clock Pacific time, so noon Eastern time Okay, is, is the plan. Um, but that will happen on Tuesday, uh, the 14th of May. I'm going to mark that on my calendar because I definitely want to check out what you guys have done so far. Oh, we are we are so excited about this show. Uh, you know, the concept of it started about four years ago. Um, you know, I have a, uh, a background in broadcasting uh, and also in acting, mm-hmm. and um, it it was sort of just a combination of of all of the things I enjoy coming together, and 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 the fact that there was a there's nothing on TV for the beer drinker. Uh, and so I came up with this idea and been playing with it and playing with it. And last fall, uh, a friend of mine introduced me to the guys at White Knuckle Studios in uh, Oregon. And um, we started talking and it was, it, was just, it was just like, wow, this is, this is a match. This is, these guys get what I want to do. They catch the vision. And uh, that was really exciting because um, it was important for us to have a professional production company that could come in and could do everything we wanted to do. And um, and to understand, look, I, I know what to do in front of a camera, mm-hmm. but you put me behind the camera, you put me in the editing room, and I'm not so good. Oh. Uh, you know, I, I, can, I, can, I can work some basic edits on Final Cut Pro, but um, I needed – there are people out there that just have – an eye for uh, for camera shots, whether that be film camera or photography, they just they have that eye, and these guys have that. They have what um, what I need in terms of somebody that can take my vision and make it a reality. Um, and these guys have done that. And so we shot the uh, uh, we shot the pilot episode up at Deschutes, and um, it's uh, it's just been really cool to watch this thing come along and. And uh, work with those guys, uh, work with the, the people at Deschutes who, let me just tell you something, man. You are not going to find, in the craft beer industry, there are so many good people. It just blows you away how many awesome people you meet. And Deschutes, they, they're just all of them. They're, they're all awesome. And I, I feel like this show will be a, a good way for me to get to explore some of these breweries that because I, I'm probably not going to make it out to Oregon anytime soon. And <laughs> it's a good way for me to peek into that and get to see how these guys you know interact with each other and everything. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I, and that's that's the idea is we're we want to take you on a tour. So and I don't know where you actually are based out of. Yeah, I'm actually I'm in New Jersey. Ah, New Jersey. OK. Um, are you on the south side or north side? Uh, north. OK. Um, well, they got some good stuff up there too. Um, but you know, for, for a guy like yourself and, and your listeners are probably all over the country, I yep. imagine, but you know, we want to take people that maybe can't go to Bend, Oregon. Um, and, and we want to take them behind the scenes and say, okay, this is Bend. This is the beauty of Bend. Here's what a tour at Deschutes looks like. And here's their beer. And, 
you know, the goal being that one, we get to show them, we get to introduce them to the brewery that's being featured, and um, and they and the, the individual gets to to introduced to their beers. Um, the the ultimate goal, I think, being that they get to experience uh, that brewery and the food and the beer uh, from the perspective of seeing it on TV to the point that they now go, you know what? Next time I'm in the grocery store and I see, you know, Black Butte Porter on the shelf, I'm going to pick it up. Mm-hmm. Or, wow, Bend looks like a really great town. And as a matter of fact, I do like to ski and I do like to fly fish. So I'm going to take my next vacation in Bend. And then I can go go see the Ale Trail and I can go visit Deschutes. So there's a travel component involved in the show as well. We want people to go out and explore. And there's so many craft breweries all over the United States. There's over 2,000 in the United States that there's so much opportunity there for people to go out. And it doesn't matter where you go on vacation. There's a craft brewery somewhere nearby. Mm-hmm. And I know, I know there are, like you said, there are numerous ones around me and once I yes. get time in my schedule to, you know, get around to them. Like, I know Marianne is uh, up in Boston, so, I mean, she wants to, you know, tour the Sam Adams Brewery. Sure. Things like that. Now, in, in terms of, like, uh, like a wish list of breweries for you, um, after Deschutes, what, what would probably be, like, the tops on your list? Well, you know, um, I, I obviously, you probably looked at the website, and I have sort of a wish list on there mm-hmm. of places that I would like to go. Um, there are places I have been, you know, I've, I've, I've been to stone brewing, uh, in Escondido, uh, just North of uh, San Diego many times. I mean, I love that brewery. I love what they're doing and being able to take, you know, somebody behind the scenes there is going to be really awesome, but I have never been to Nuglaris. Oh, and, uh, Dan and Deborah are friends and I absolutely want to go up there and visit them. Um, I've made her a promise that I would, uh, make my beer cheese soup for her. Uh. so, uh, you know, beer cheese soup is a big deal in the Midwest. They, mm-hmm. they love that. Um, so I, you know, I want to go visit there. I've never been there. Um, and a lot of people haven't, um, I want to go visit, you know, there's, there's so many, the list is so long. I mean, the put the, on the website, you'll find that, that wish list it's, it's incomplete. Yeah, just, it just keep on going. I mean, you, you could you have you have material for years and years, you know. Yeah, and that's the great thing is that you know there are breweries I want to go visit. There's many there are many breweries that I have been that I have visited, um, and the thing for me is that I I love the new experience. I love it. Doesn't have to be a big brewery. I don't have to go to a Stone or a Brooklyn or a Rar and Sons or a Carbach in Houston. They don't, it doesn't have to be a big brewery. I like the small guys. I like the guys that are, you know, that the the owner, the one who started the brewery, he's still delivering kegs mm-hmm. you know, on a Thursday or a Friday. And I, I like, I want to meet those guys because those are the visionaries that craft beer relies on. Mm-hmm. Those are the guys that, that had a dream and they're pursuing it. Um, and so you go to, you know, if I, I mean, let's just say, you know, New York, New Jersey area. There's so many breweries in the in, in that area, you know, whether it's Brooklyn or Six Point or Armagang. Mm-hmm. Um, all I want to go all, all of them. I want to visit all of them. Uh, there's so much. There's so much out there. It's like you said. There's so much material out there. And 
So when I say I have a wish list, it, my wish list literally has 2,100 breweries on it. I just didn't have room for that on the website. Wow. <laughs> and, you know, and that's, that's a wonderful problem to have. <laughs> yeah, right? I know. Um, it's, it's, it's absolutely true. Uh, you know, I live in Houston. I don't know if you knew that, but I live in Houston. And, um, you know, we have St. Arnold down here, which is uh, the oldest craft brewery in the, in the state of Texas. Mm-hmm. Carbach is a year and a half old, and they are just doing so many great things. We have smaller breweries like No Label and Buffalo Bayou, and literally these are people that are still pursuing the dream, and they're they're the small guys on the block, and um, and it's exciting to see them get new tap handles and do new events and come up with new beers, and I guarantee you that whatever city your listeners are in, there's a craft brewery near them that is doing the same thing, and I want. You know, I want those guys to get credit uh, for pursuing their dream, and I want them to be. You know, I want to. I want to bring them out. I want to say, look, you know, if you if you go to New York, you should visit this brewery, or if you go to, you know, Oregon, you should visit this brewery um, and support these little guys uh, and try their beers, um, especially because a lot of them don't distribute. You know, throughout the United States, it's difficult to do that. Um, it costs a lot of money. You've got to have high production to put your beer out. Uh, and and so somebody from New Jersey has probably never had a St. Arnold beer. Mm-hmm, exactly. You know, and so and, – and that's unfortunate because, you know, their lawnmower has won GABF gold multiple times. I mean it's it's a great beer. So, you know, that's – there are experiences out there to have and, and – you know, not everybody has the opportunity to go on a vacation where they can go visit um, a brewery. So let me close that gap and let me take you behind the scenes to a brewery and let me show you their beers. Let me show you um, how to cook with some beers and how to pair with some beers so that you can create that experience at home. And that, that, is, that is absolutely awesome. Uh, you know, before, before we let you go, I know Marianne had one interesting question for you. She only um, had one. Well, she had she had multiple, but <laughs> well, you, you know, can ask. I, I yeah. don't have anywhere I got to be, oh. so you're you know ask yeah. as many as you want. My husband um, just recently started brewing his own beer. Okay, and we have um, a kegerator, and we w- I was looking into um, CO two tanks. Uh huh. And I, I was just wondering, do you really think there's a need for like a food grade CO two tank for a homebrew system? <laughs> You know, that is, um, there's a lot of debate out there about um, what kind of CO2 should I use? Should I use a food grade CO2? Should I use just, you know, uh, a regular uh, a, a, a industrial CO2? Mm-hmm. No, I do not think you need uh, food grade. Okay. Um, uh, it is, you're looking at, um, for years and years, uh, CO2. Uh, has been obviously it's used to push the beer from the keg, and a lot of times um, there wa- there was no option for a food grade mm-hmm. uh, version. Uh, most of your bars and restaurants do not use food grade CO two. Oh wow! I would say a large portion of them do not. The there there's not a whole lot of difference between food grade CO two and in, and, and industrial CO two. So, no, I don't think you should 
if it's not something that's important to you, don't pay the extra money. Okay. We were getting actually getting it from a welding company, but come well, to find out. That a lot of- but if you're getting it from a welding company, it's probably not food grade. Well, I was looking into that and it w- they were saying that they use food grade to protect their workers. Interesting. That's what I thought too. Um, but now we have um, the, uh, a man that lives close to us runs a little store in his basement that he sells all the supplies to do brewing. And so we've switched and gone through him because he sells the food grade CO2 tanks, you know, filled and you just do a trade in and pay whatever. Uh, But I I was curious about that because I was talking to my husband and I'm like, wait a minute, there's a difference. And I'm like right on the Internet, Googling everything going, oh, my God, are we going to die from the beer? (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's, it's probably important to understand that the difference between the food grade and the regular CO2 is primarily the container that it's in. Mm-hmm. Um, it is, it, some of it has to do with the potential for backflow um, into uh, your system. Uh, but in all honesty, no, there's, there's no, there's no danger. I think that is more of a uh, profitability uh, argument for, for somebody selling CO2. And in fact, I'm surprised that you have a welding shop in the area that is using food grade because they don't need to. It's going to cost them more money. Right. right. Um, the only the only real risk when it comes to CO two uh, in any situation is if you have a leak and somebody intakes somebody breathes in CO two for an excessive amount of time because it can be fatal. Ah. Uh, but that's not common, and with a kegerator like you're like you're uh, putting together. Mm-hmm. Uh, not something you're going to have to worry about more than likely. Um, if you have a CO2 leak, it's going to be pretty obvious to tell. Um, you'll either hear it, you'll mm-hmm. run out of CO2 really fast, mm-hmm. which will be a dead giveaway, or you won't have any pressure on your beer. Ah. And so that will, it will all come out. And, or you may just smell it. You know, you can, CO2 has got a very distinct smell. Um, and you may walk by the kegerator one day and be like, what's that smell? Oh, hey, we have a CO2 leak. Wow. Okay, that's good to know. But I would not worry about, about uh, food grade. Oh, good, because I was just going to make him drink it. <laughs> <laughs> no, the gas itself, I, there's no – and I'm not a chemist, so take this with a grain of salt. But I don't know that you that there is a difference between – I don't think you can change CO2 chemically to make it safer for food. If that makes sense. Right. Yeah, definitely. So it's not like glycol where you have a product that has to be a food grade just in case people come in contact with it. CO2 is it's what we expel when mm-hmm. we breathe. I have another question for you. You can ask as many as you want. I honestly don't have anywhere. I, I, came, I came back home. I am doing my thing. So, you know, you guys have me for however long you want me. Oh, good. Awesome. Why are hoppy beers so yucky? <laughs> <laughs> See, I, I'm in the same boat as Marianne with that. I, m- my taste buds just do not click with them at all. I have really? one that wow. I like. Golly, you know, I love IPAs, and I'm actually I'm drinking one right now. I, 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 I uh, think you should know that I opened a special beer for your show. Oh. Um, this is, I'm drinking the Divine Reserve, which St. Arnold uh, does very special beers that they call Divine Reserve. They're very limited production. 
And so I'm drinking the Divine Reserve 11, um, which to, to give you an idea, they just released 13 uh, about a month ago or so. So 11 is not something you can find. Um, and Divine, 11, Divine Reserve 11 is a double IPA um, that is just, it's wonderful. It actually became uh, Endeavor, uh, which is a year-round beer for St. Arnold. But um, I would have to uh, disagree with your characterization as <laughs> yucky. Um, uh, you know, there are definitely people that um, that struggle with drinking IPAs, and certainly there are others that that think you know the heavens, the skies have opened, uh, and angels sang when when uh, IPAs were invented, um, and I would be part of that latter group. Uh, the bitterness is what it is for people. And the interesting thing is that um, they're depending on the hops that are used in the beer mm-hmm. and not only just the hops, but the hops and the, the malt combination, mm-hmm. um, the freshness of the beer itself. And in some cases, whether or not you're having food with it um, can all play into whether or not you like an IPA. Um, you know, it's funny. Uh, are y'all familiar with Firestone Walker? I believe so. it rings a bell. No. <laughs> Firestone Walker is a brewery in Paso Robles, California, and they're uh, they're pretty big. They make some amazing beers, and one of their beers is called Double Jack. It's a double IPA, and it's my favorite double IPA um, ever. And I was talking to their brewmaster about just the progression of IPAs, Matt Bernaldson, and we were just talking about it, and and um, the progression of IPAs, and he has, he has a wonderful theory on how these things have, have come about. But, you know, IPAs started years ago. They were, they were bitter, but they weren't what they are today in America. And, you know, if you've had – you've probably had Sierra Nevada Pale Ale, correct? I know I have. No. Okay. Well, Sierra Nevada Pale Ale is pretty hoppy for a pale ale. Mm-hmm. Um, and – 10 years ago or, or, or 15 years ago, that would have been considered an IPA. Uh, and as, as time moved on and, and, you know, it's just how we are in America. It's like bigger and better. We got to do something bigger and better. Yep. And so IPAs, you know, it was like, okay, well, it's not an IPA if you didn't, you know, throw a mountain of hops in there. And, um, and that continues to progress. And so you end up with a beer that is now so incredibly bitter that if you – if you if your taste buds aren't completely numbed by the first sip, then it's not an IPA. Mm-hmm. And I think that throws off people that don't that are not used to drinking IPA. So for yourself, Marianne, you know if if you want to try an IPA that maybe is a little bit more neutral, and or let me say softer, not neutral, softer. It's a softer entry point. You know, find something that maybe has a lower bitterness level or that has a hops flavor that resonates with your taste buds. Um, hops, hops can be um, grassy in flavor. They can mm-hmm. be citrusy in flavor. They can be piney in flavor. Um, and so there may be something in that that you don't like. Maybe you don't like pininess, and that's what's turning you off. Maybe you need to go the citrus route and get some grapefruit flavors. Um, you know, grapefruit, I, I've, I can't tell you how many women I've met that – have said the same thing as what you're saying and that I don't like IPAs. And then they drink uh, something with some citrusy, grapefruity flavors and they're like, oh my gosh, this is great. 
and it's just a matter of the different hops. I'll have to try that. Yeah, you absolutely should. Uh, and you said you're up in Boston? Mm-hmm. Well, I can guarantee you there's some great IPAs up in your neck of the woods. Um, now, I don't know. There's probably a lot of local uh, local breweries, like smaller breweries, um, besides Sam Adams. I mean, Sam Adams is obviously very big. Um, I'm not particularly a huge fan of their IPAs. Uh, they did an IPA a couple of years ago that was okay. Um, but there's bound to be some availability, and I don't know what's available in your area, but there's bound to be some that are made with different different hops that you can try and, you know, see what you like. Well, that is going to be my new goal, and I'm going to tweet to you at Beach Bum Chris and let you know. Well, you can do it at Beach Bum Chris. You can do it at the show, which is uh, Breweries Bars BF. Um, so you can do either one of those. You can absolutely – and your, your listeners can, can tweet me. Um, I will respond uh, to, to tweets. Um, they should check out the Facebook page, uh, www.facebook.com slash breweries, and beer food. Now, so you said you were drinking a Firestone Double Jack, right? And well, I'm not drinking one right now, but I have enjoyed oh, many of them in the past. Now, it, okay, so you said it, that that's a double IPA. Does that mean like double like the hops kind of thing? Well, basically, think about it uh, in terms of doubling a, a recipe in the kitchen mm-hmm. um, or, or similarly so. So you have a single IPA that has uh, a certain amount of malt and a certain amount of hops in it. When you double that, you end up with you know more malt, more hops, and you get a higher uh, alcohol level. Okay, yeah. But you also get a higher uh, bitterness level. Um, the thing about it is, and, and this is this could be an entry point for you. But the thing about it, when you do a double IPA, because the malt level is small is higher and your alcohol level is higher, you end up with a little bit more sweetness in the beer, hmm. and mm-hmm. so that can actually balance out the hoppiness for some people. And, and you know, I mentioned Pliny the Elder earlier, and 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 obviously Pliny's California, um, and then Double Jack is also California. But those are two – those are both double IPAs that are almost opposite in their – in the spectrum of flavors. The Pliny, I, the Pliny the Elder is extremely hot forward, very dry. And the Double Jack has a lot of sweetness and it's not as hoppy. Mm. So you get two different flavors from two different beers, but they're both double IPAs. So you're drinking the Divine Number 11? I am. I'm drinking Divine Reserve number 11. It, now, it, I looked it up, and it shows it in almost like a wine glass. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it does matter. It absolutely matters. Uh, and, and there's actually a, there's a video on our uh, Facebook page, uh, again, Breweries, Bars, and Beer Food. There's a video there. Uh, we did a, a glassware video. Uh, we brought in a pretty girl to talk about glassware, and uh, she did a great job. Uh, but it absolutely matters when you are pouring a beer. Uh, most people think pint glass is good for everything. Technically speaking, a pint glass is not good for anything because mm-hmm. a pint glass doesn't frame a beer the way it ought to be framed. Mm-hmm. Um, if you think about it in, that in terms of wine glasses, you know you have uh, a lot of your white wines have slimmer uh, curves. You have uh, your red wine glasses are 
bigger kind of bowl shaped. You have champagne glasses that are thin. Well, a beer glass should frame the beer that you're drinking in such a way that the appearance is reflected the way the brewer wants it to be, that the smell, the aroma is captured the way that you want it to be, um, and absolutely the flavor um, mm-hmm. is going gonna, is gonna to be affected um, because of the way that the carbonation is um, brought out of the beer, um, that the way uh, the, uh, the flavor interacts with um, the aromas, uh, the way they kind of work together to give you the overall experience. I have a few of the Sam Adams glasses that uh, he those made. With the- so cool. I, I got, I, I, you know what? There are people that down those. I love them. I think they're cool. <laughs> they have the etching on the bottom with a little bubbles yeah. off the etching. Yeah. I think that is the neatest thing. I could sit there and stare at that all day. <laughs> well, and you know what? It's, it's, it's so funny. And it's, it, um, again, there are people that have, you know, kind of, you know, dissed that whole thing with, uh, with the, the etching and, and so forth. But, you know, the point behind that is that it helps when, when the uh, beer hits that etching, it helps um, create a certain amount of friction, which releases uh, CO2 from the beer and creates a good head uh, on it. And believe it or not, uh, and I obviously, you know, there are jokes to be made. Uh, I teach a lot of beer classes, but trust me, um, you want good head on beer. <laughs> Um, it releases, you know, CO2 and that contributes not only to what you're drinking, um, but to the aromas that the beer, the CO2, that, that all those aromas come through there. Um, you know, it's funny when you are, if you ever listen to people that say, well, you know, beer is so filling and it's gassy and stuff. Yeah. That's because they're drinking, um, lighter beers at too cold of a temperature. Uh, most draft systems, well, I should say almost all draft systems are designed to pour beer at 38 degrees. But CO2 is not released from a beer until it's at 42 degrees, which means if you drink a beer at 38, 39 degrees, that CO2 is not getting released until it hits your stomach. So all of a sudden, you're feeling kind of bloated. Well, and that's why. But glassware is important. That's where we started with that. Mm-hmm. You have to be careful with me. I will chase rabbits. <laughs> I love it. We had um, a question in the chat room for you. Sure. And uh, yeah, this is the chat room. Yeah, we have a chat room. Yeah, so people are commenting like crazy. Oh, uh, well, where's the chat room? I want to see this. It's at uh, morelikeradio.com slash live. And we have some yeah. chatters in here. Okay, well, go ahead. What's the next question? Was it uh, the Mitch one, Marianne? Yes. Okay. Go ahead. You could. Okay. Um, he says, let's say I'm a Guinness guy, love stouts. What would be a good new craft brew to try, theoretically? Well, I guess that is going to partly depend on where you are in the country and what's available to you. He's in Minnesota. Uh, He's where? Minnesota. <laughs> yeah, Minnesota. Minnesota. Uh, Minnesota. Let me think here. Surly Brewing up in Minnesota is making uh, – they've got a stout uh, that – uh, actually, it might be a little bit. It's probably on the imperial side. If you like Guinness, that might be a bit of a trek uh, into uh, what stouts are. Let me just say this: I would suggest if you're going from Guinness and you want to try something that's similar on the craft side, or or it's going to take you in that direction, look for something that is a like a dry Irish stout or a dry stout of some kind. Um, 
if you like coffee flavors, maybe even try a coffee stout. Um, that will give you um, uh, that will give you similar flavors. But you know, Guinness is, you know, I love Ireland Guinness. Um, not such a fan of the Canadian version, but um, the Irish Guinness is is pretty amazing, and it's only four percent alcohol. Mm-hmm. So. It's kind of a, a unique beer in what it gives you um, in that you get so many great flavors, and it's basically a session beer. Uh, I would have to look up what uh, craft breweries there are up in uh, the Minnesota area uh, or what is available to you. Uh, your best bet is to look for something that is more like a, like a dry Irish stout or just a basic stout. Um, if you are willing to you know, take a leap, then you may be you might be able to find North Coast. Um, the North Coast Brewery makes Old Rasputin. Uh, that is a pretty well um, distributed beer, and it is absolutely crazy delicious. Um, it is it's chocolate, um, a little bit of bitterness, but um, it's about double the alcohol that Guinness is. Mm-hmm. And I don't think he'll complain about that at all. <laughs> well, not too many people do. Yep. That is one thing about craft beer that people that are moving that direction um, are discovering or they do discover is that um, the beers that they're used to don't have much alcohol in them. Mm-hmm. And craft beer, because it's 100% barley, um, or, or I should say, you know, at least or, or in the neighborhood of 100% barley, some of them still use adjuncts, but for different reasons. They all have higher alcohol, and so it changes the game for them. It's it's a new, it's something new for them in terms of flavors, and you know, whereas you can drink, you know, uh, however many you know lighter beers that you want to drink without much effect, you might not be able to drink as many uh, craft beers. Mm-hmm. Just one thing to be careful about. Yeah, I know. I, I've found that at times, too. I, I, I had a friend that was basically trying to tell me, get like a couple craft brews and then just maybe get a you know case of Milwaukee's Best to keep the buzz going. I haven't quite gotten that far yet. <laughs> right. Well, and you know what? There's, it, you know, if you're, if you're used to drinking um, a lighter beer like that, then probably your best bet is to move start in the direction of something that's similar. Mm-hmm. So let's say that you're used to drinking American light lager. Well, those are technically supposed to be Pilsners. Mm-hmm. Uh, so start with um, something that's a Pilsner style. If you are, uh, and actually, again, I'd bring up North Coast because they have a beer um, called Scrimshaw that is pretty well distributed, and it is an excellent, excellent Pilsner uh, that people can drink. Um, if you are in the Northeast and you're familiar with Victory Brewing, um, they have uh, a Pilsner that is absolutely amazing. Uh, a little bit on the hoppy side for Pilsners, but still really, really solid. Um, again, in Texas or the South Side, well, actually I should say just Texas because uh, Live Oak Brewing only distributes uh, in this area. But they have the Live Oak Pils, and it is absolutely amazing. And even Michael Jackson, the late Michael Jackson beer hunter, um, commented that it was one of the best pilsners he'd ever had. There's one beer I got to ask you about because I I know Marianne's tried it. She um she got a bottle that she's gonna get to me only because I just I have to try it. 
<laughs> it's the rogue voodoo uh, donut peanut butter chocolate banana one. Yeah, you know, I haven't tried that yet. And I, I you know, I've seen it on the shelves and I keep walking by it. I'm like, that just looks like one of those beers that you're just like, I should try that. And just for the experience I, kind of thing. You know, it, I think that Rogue does a great job of playing with their beer. Mm-hmm. They do what I think a lot of home brewers do and, and or, or even, you know, people in the kitchen. It's like, you know what? Let me throw some of this. Let me throw some of that. Let me do this and see what happens. Um, like I'm a big fan of donuts. I'm a big fan of bacon and I'm a big fan of beer. So why I haven't tried that beer yet, I don't know. Yeah, well, it, this one is chocolate, peanut butter, and banana. Wow, that's pretty intense. And I, you know, it's actually go ahead. Oh, sorry. Um, I I wanted to try the one from last year, the the bacon maple one. Yeah, but I couldn't find that when this came out. I was so excited. I bought a bottle of it for like seventeen dollars. And I ran home. I was like, I can't wait for my husband to have a day off. We're going to share this. It's, it's a big bottle. It was the worst beer I've ever tasted in my entire life. <laughs> and my husband is like a, an IPA lover and everything. So it wasn't anything about the hoppiness. He tasted it. He goes, this is complete crap. It was. Yeah. Awful. Well, you know, it, that, that when, you, when you're starting to talk about beers that are that extravagant, you have to take the good with the bad. Mm-hmm. You have to understand that they are going off the hook and playing with their beer and coming up with something fun. And there are going to be times that those things are not going to be – they won't work for somebody. And that's, you know, that's the way it goes. I, I actually brewed a, a beer I – do, I, I do homebrew uh, and uh, I brewed a beer for my uh, birthday um, – I brewed an Imperial Stout, and uh, about a month ago, or about a month and a half ago, I brewed another beer that I called uh, a Twinkie Triple. I did a, uh, a tribute to the Twinkie, since I thought Hostess was going to be uh, taking him away forever. Mm-hmm. And I actually uh, took my Twinkie Triple, and I combined it with my Imperial Stout in the bottle, and it turns out... That worked really well. Wow. That was a very tasty beer. But it was one of those things that you don't know what it's going to taste like until you do it. Well, you know what? Uh, we have to uh, step aside and take okay. a brief break. Do you want to stay on with us uh, through break and um, pop up sure. back with us? Okay. Um, so I'm yeah. going to hit the break here. Chance to refill my beer. Yep. See, perfect idea. So um, we will be back with Chris Spradley after the break here on morelikeradio.com. Alcohol by volume, Kevin Show. Hey! Hey. It's the name of the show. Hey! More like radio, less like crap. Want more alcohol by volume? Because I'm kinda drunk for this shit nuts! Download past episodes at morelikeradio.org. Join the Facebook group at facebook.com slash group slash alcohol by volume. Like the Facebook page, facebook.com slash MLR, alcohol by volume. And follow along on Twitter at MLR underscore alcohol. I find your drunkenness there. Are you unappealing? I am drunk, or I wouldn't be talking to you. Mr. Turtle, how many hosts does it take to make a podcast as good as the Shy Kids podcast? I ain't never made it through a whole episode. Ask Mr. Owl. Mr. Owl, how many hosts does it take to make a podcast as good as the Shy Kids podcast? Let's find out. A one, a two, a three, three. 
How many hosts does it take to make a podcast as good as the Shy Kids Podcast? The world may never know. I said three, motherfucker. The Shy Kids Podcast. Saturdays, 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific at morelikeradio.com. We are the Shy Kids. See right there. It's done. Theme song. Holy fuck. <laughs> what? You can't even say it wrong correctly. <laughs> Mary Catley and Oshley. Stroking worse than Kate. Wow. See, Mary Cat and Billy Ocean? Well, that was the one you, you had. You could, probably, you, could probably, you could probably say Mary Catley Olsen because then you wouldn't have to say Ashley. But you know what else? You know what else I read? What I figured out was interesting. Why don't people call it Ashley and Mary Kate Olsen instead of Mary Kate and Oshley? God damn it. Talk Radio Meltdown every Friday from 4 to 6 p.m. Eastern on morelikeradio.com. Hey, smokers, you stink. I'm not talking about your character. That's a given. I'm talking about your clothes. It's time to kick the butts and move over to something more pleasant. I'm talking about e-cigs from Smokeless Image. They're cheaper than cigarettes, don't smell, and are available in a wide variety of flavors ranging from mints, fruits, desserts, or the traditional tobacco flavors if that's what you want. Simply go to tinyurl.com slash mlrsmoke for all your vaping needs. That's tinyurl.com slash mlrsmoke. Saturday's noon east. Join Halls and Rorschach as they bring you the news you need to get you through your weekend. Ollie, Ollie, can you hear me? Yes. <laughs> okay, Ollie, I'm outside right now. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's really boring hard out here. Uh, Sounds like it. Where are you at? Are you in Antarctica? <laughs> uh, wait a minute, Ollie. I see somebody coming toward me. There's a, there's a man coming toward me. Uh, hold on a second. What are you doing in my yard? I'm getting too old for this shit. Hey guys, it's Halls from It's All About Me. Join Rorschach and myself every Saturday from noon to 2 Eastern Time right here on More Like Radio. If you weren't able to catch the last Hippo Juice show, here's what you probably missed. I just keep thinking to myself and it makes me giggle that I, every time I hear the story, I imagine it was Ray Romano in the same situation. <laughs> oh, oh, oh man. Kind of does. I barely that. touched her. Come on. Oh. oh, it was my brother. Look at him. He's bigger than me. Come on. Oh. Come on. Everybody loves me. Oh, I got, I got twins. Come on. Oh, let's go. Let's go, Home Depot. Come on. Fess up, Raymond. You know it was you. They got you on video. Anybody want soup? Ma, come on. We're talking over here. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. I'm dying. (laughs) So if you learn anything from Hippo Juice, remember Ray Romano allegedly punched his wife in an elevator. Right. (laughs) We don't report the news accurately. We report half of it. Whatever. It's still news. So fuck you guys. This is more entertaining than some football player. Listen to the Hippo Juice Show live every Wednesday night, 7 to 9 p.m. on morelikeradio.com. Have you ever wanted something so bad that you do just about anything for it? 
Well, that's exactly how we feel about you. That's right. AdamandEve.com wants you so bad. We're giving you 10 free gifts with your first order. You heard me right. That's 10 free gifts to spice up your love life. First, you'll get a sexy surprise for her. Second, an adventurous toy for him. And third, a little something we know you'll both enjoy. Plus, you'll get six full-length adult movies on DVD. And number 10, free shipping on your entire order. That's 10 free gifts for you shy types who've never tried Adam and Eve before. Just go to adamandeve.com and select any one item. It could be an adventurous new toy, a sexy piece of lingerie, or anything you desire. Just enter offer code DEAL48 at checkout and you'll get all 10 free gifts, including free shipping. That's offer code DEAL48. That's D-E-A-L-48 at adamandeve.com. You know the way at the start of the last episode, we went through uh, different nationalities, you know, and now people know that we're Irish. <laughs> and now people know that we're all shite at accents <laughs> as well. <laughs> but I was wondering, is it prejudice to not make fun of, like, all of the countries? Where's you going for here? We'll name check every country on the show, that way no one can be mad. How about that? I could do Swedish. Oh, yeah. Well. Birdie, birdie. <laughs> and to the Italians? Papa the poopy. Papa the poopy. <laughs> okay. To the Mexicans? The A-Man. <laughs> uh, Spain? Singapore? Amazing. Australians? Cockerel Doom Dark. No. A big loop, are you? No, that sounds That's like terrible. Limerick or something. <laughs> That's right, we never slide off the Irish, do we? Someone put a bomb in me potato. <laughs> there you go. OSW Review. All Irish, all racist. <laughs> oh, hello there. I didn't see you come in. This is Mitch, producer of Dutch and Royce. I just wanted to take a quick moment to remind you why we are better than you. I took the turkey baster and put it in the glass and sucked up as much pee as I could. I took the turkey baster, after lubricating it in my asshole, and put it up as far as I could in my asshole, and I was repeatedly thrusting it in and out while jacking off and screaming out a boy's name and moaning to make it feel like it was real. I can't believe I then I then imagined my I then imagined in my head him screaming, I'm coming! And I squeezed the turkey baster ball, shooting all my pee into my hands. <laughs> I kept taking to the, t- I kept taking the turkey baster out and filling it with more pee and shooting it deep into my asshole, <laughs> making it feel like it was a huge. Come- Listen to Dutch and Royce live Tuesdays from ten to midnight, only on MoreLikeRadio.com. Hey you, yes. You guessed 10,542. Change your username. And while you're in the More Like Radio live page listening to fine quality programming, notice the banner ad just slightly above the chat room. It's a link to something you want in Amazon. Click it. It's probably reminding you to order something you need from Amazon.com. Don't leave MLR and type the URL like a sucker. Just click the link and it'll open in a new window. This way you can buy your shit and continue listening to the show. Now, change your username. Right there on the right, stupid. A ton of lineup stronger than Owen Hart's safety harness. More like radio.com.
other internet radio stations are gay. You're listening to Alcohol by Volume on More Like Radio. Well, what's going to happen if this plan don't work, eh? The old man will put us out of the house. We'll have no place to sleep. Yeah, I could live in this van, eh? I don't need no Take place off. to sleep. You need money to live or you'll starve. Well, this plan sucks. I ain't going in. The Artur, I'll tell the old man you gave away his beer money. Okay, okay. You boss me around. Morning, George. All right, you, Betty. Give me 12 fresh Yukon gold. Baby. 12 Yukon gold. Have a That horse ran like a bun yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> See you tomorrow. Okay, take it easy. Well, Elsinore. 12. 24. Oh, yeah, sorry. 24 Elsinore beers. 24. Yeah. 24 Elsinore, 1470. I believe there'll be no charge on this two for uh, a beer, thank you. Excuse me? Okay. We found this mouse in a bottle of Elsinore beer that we bought at your beer store, eh? And we heard, like, when that happens, that uh, you get your beer free. It's in the Canadian criminal code, eh? Yeah. Like, there's legal precedent setting cases in law. So, like, uh, give us our free beer. You want free beer? Go to the brewery. Now get out of here before I put the two of you in a bottle. You sure you don't want to think this over? Sure. And welcome back to, I guess it's uh, like the last... 25 minutes or so of uh, alcohol by volume. You bring down just a little bit. There we go. And we still have Chris Bradley from Breweries, Bars, and Beer Food on Skype with us. Still here. Excellent. That's good that. Uh, mouse in my beer, though, so. Uh, sorry, <laughs> <free> beer. <laughs> there's, one, there's one thing I got to do. Uh, I promised um, for those that listen to some of the other MLR shows. Um, newsy reporter Logan Tittle. She wanted me to do a boozy modified version of the cinnamon challenge. So I have a tablespoon of cinnamon that is dissolved in some uh, cinnamon bourbon. Did it oh. dissolve? It Are actually you fireball it, bourbon. Uh, no, I I was gonna get fireball, but I ended up getting red stag, and I think I made a mistake with that. <laughs> <laughs> but so I'm gonna um, I'm gonna see. Uh, how much of this I can drink? And Marianne, I'll let you take over the mic for a second here. So okay. basically, I'm going to be talking to Marianne for the next 30 minutes. Yeah, that's, <laughs> yeah, this could be a problem. So uh, uh, three, two, one, oh, go. Oh. oh, over here I have um, vodka-soaked gummy beers and some um, pineapples infused with Caribbean rum. <laughs> <laughs> that I've been munching on because we were going to do, you know, little strange things that people do with alcohol. Sure. We were talking about earlier how people actually, I don't know if you've heard this or not, that they've actually soaked tampons in alcohol. Why? Exactly. Um, <laughs> women are sticking them up their private parts to absorb the alcohol that way and men up their butts to actually absorb alcohol, which I think all it does is really irritate your... Um, what? Oh, man. <laughs> I know. I, the, the, no, I think I would have been okay not knowing that. What the hell's wrong with just drinking it? I know, exactly. I know. That's what I was saying. I said earlier in the show, you know, what's wrong with saying, you know, can you get me a couple bottles of Boone's Farm and you're good for the night, you know? It, 
Not a well, big deal. Boone's Farm was what I drank in high school. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's yeah. It, My that taste buds have advanced slightly. Yeah, I don't think I could deal with Boone's Farm now, but it, that was me in high school. You know, two bottles for five bucks, and you're good yeah. for the night. <laughs> Bad Dog Twenty Twenty. Exactly. Yep. Yep. I've been there, done that. Yeah, but in our day, it was Heffenreffers. <laughs> I don't even know what that is. Oh god! It was a beer. I think they still sell them, but it was a beer where you pop the beer cap off. On the beer cap, you'd be half drunk, and it would have like um, an inscription on the beer cap where you would have to figure out what it was. All pictures, and it would be like the. Uh, oh, you know what? Lone Star does that down here in Texas. Uh, if you get a Lone Star beer on the bottle cap, it's got one of those. I don't know what that's called, but yeah, it's got that. We have to figure out what it is. Mm-hmm. And people down here collect bottle caps. And if a if a bartender like Sony orders a, a a Lone Star and you don't offer the cap to them, they will get upset. Huh? It's, yeah, me. it's pretty interesting. I'm trying to see. Um, I know I had I had other questions here. Sorry, I have multiple. Oh, by the way, that, yeah. before you ask your question, oh, yeah. I was going to tell you that during the commercial break, um, I looked up. Uh, if any of your listeners are curious about beers in their area and they're maybe not. Con- not not familiar with uh, some of the different craft beers, mm-hmm. they can go to craftbeer.com, which is uh, uh, hosted by the Brewers Association. And craftbeer.com's got just a wealth of resources for people to learn about uh, breweries in their area, beer and food, uh, just different things about beer. Um, but I went through and I, I, I looked up Minnesota and – Minnesota A has a, all kinds of uh, breweries, uh, a craft brewery. So depending on where you're at, there's a brewery called 612, uh, Bad Weather, Badger Hill, Bard's Tail, Barley John's. Uh, there's a lot of good a lot of good beer up there. And I know I've I've had um I've had Bard's before. I've had that that's the the um the gluten-free they have that one, I believe. I do not know what kind of beer they make. I just know yeah. the name. Yeah, because I know. Have you have you tried any of the gluten free beers that are out there? I have. Um, I tried uh, Redbridge, and I tried. Uh, there was one other one that I tried, and um, you know, let me just say, interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, not not for me. It, yeah, it, it's just it's not the same. It's absolutely not the same. Yeah. I mean, I can, I can understand for for people that do have like the genuine you know gluten sensitivity, celiac disease. It's a substitute that'll work, but it I, I know it still has some ways to go. You know, kind of really bringing out those flavors now. Well, I I, I think it's pretty difficult, you know, to make a gluten free beer uh, with with having similar flavors. Exactly. Yeah. You know, it's gonna it's gonna require. It's sort of like making, you know, diet food. You got to figure out a way to, to use chemicals instead of the actual thing in order to get the same kind of flavors. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, obviously, you know, having that disease is, is challenging, I'm sure. But um, it's going to be difficult for somebody to come up with a way to make a beer that doesn't use uh, gl- uh, barley at all or grain at all, but still offers, you know, a decent flavor. Yeah. And like I said, I, I've I've tried I've tried a handful of them, and for the most part, some interesting flavors, but it's it's not something I'd want to drink all the time. Definitely not something I'd want to drink all the time. 
Yeah, I, I don't want to drink them at all. Yeah. Um, now, what what would you say? You know, this is kind of a stock question, but what <laughs> what would be your like n- number one favorite beer right now? What what are you really gravitating to? Uh, are we talking like deathbed beers? Or are we talking about just what am I drinking at the moment? Um, let's go deathbed beers. Ah, well, my deathbed beer has been the same beer for about four years, and um, the brewery out in California, when I say brewery, I mean B-R-U-E-R-Y, uh, they make a beer called Black Tuesday, mm-hmm. and it is so amazingly crazy good. Um, their first one was in uh, 2009 or 2008, I'm trying to remember, they just did the fourth one, so... 9, 10, 11, 12, so 9. Um, this is a imperial stout that's barrel-aged and is roughly between 18.5 and 19.5 alcohol. Wow. It is so amazing. Like, you don't taste the alcohol. A lot of times when you drink higher alcohol beers, you can taste the booziness, like that, that, that heat yeah. that you get in the flavor of a beer, you know, the alcohol. Um, you don't get it in this beer. It is just... It is just straight goodness going into your mouth. Uh, it is so amazing. So um, I would have to stick with that as, as my deathbed beer. And, and I'm fortunate that I actually still have I still have one bottle of the original production. And this is a beer, by the way, for those of your viewers that don't know or listeners that don't know, mm-hmm. uh, this is a beer that they make a very limited amount of and that tickets for which are sold out they do it online, and they sell out of the beers in about half an hour. Wow. My God. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Uh, and they're $30 a, a, a bottle. But it sounds like it's worth it. Oh, it's so worth it. It is so, so worth it. So I, I still I have some of every year. I've got first, sec, first second, third, fourth year. Um, it is so amazing. It is such a good beer. So that is definitely still my deathbed beer. And I will, I, I will probably never get a chance to taste that i i know that um some of the beers from the brewery are available around me i know i, I recognize cause i looked up uh black tuesday and i recognize the uh label style i've seen yeah you can get it in new york mm-hmm. um if you go there's several places in brooklyn okay uh, that you can get it uh there's a couple places uh around that area that they distribute to um i don't know how familiar you are with the new york city area uh, decent but, enough uh, yeah yeah, there's there's actually some really great beer and uh, some really cool bars in uh, the New York area. I love New York, uh, and I've actually I'll, I will be there uh, for Saber uh, in the middle of June. Oh, I cannot wait! I love Saber. Saber is one of those events that if you love beer and you love food, you should make plans to attend Saber. And I actually have a couple weeks off during June, so. Well, you, uh, <laughs> you should make plans to uh, to visit, and and actually, it's just a weekend. It's um, I want to say it's I don't have the exact date, but I want to say it's like the fourteenth or fifteenth of June. Um, but uh, it's there's two. It's only two nights, uh, and you can go either night. Uh, it's Friday and Saturday, mm-hmm. and you go in there, and it's select breweries from around the country, and uh, they pair. Every beer with a food, um, ideally, you know, it's very farm-to-table oriented so that people get introduced to new foods, new flavors, and they get to try beers that they don't, don't normally get. 
it's it's really really incredible. I absolutely encourage anybody that has any interest in food and beer, even if it's a passing interest, go. I'm definitely going to look into that because since I'm in the area, I I don't get nearly enough chances to go into the city, so I'm, that would be a perfect opportunity for me. Well, you know, and and you know, opportunities in New York are abounding right now. Mm-hmm. There are all kinds of new bars opening up. Um, a friend of mine, uh, Patrick Donaher, uh, has a beer uh, has a, a beer bar that he just opened up. Well, I guess it's probably been about six months now. Uh, called um, and the name is uh, escaping me at the moment, but uh, he just opened up about six months ago in uh, the Bronx area, and he's looking to open up others. Uh, there's a lot of good beer in the New York area that. It's just they're doing some really awesome stuff, and of course you got Brooklyn there and Garrett Oliver. Mm-hmm. And that man, I'm going to talk. You want to talk about gifted? That is a gifted man. He is amazing. Yeah, like I, it's it's amazing how like I I have such proximity to New York because I think um, honestly I I could drive there. I think I'm maybe 40 minutes away, uh, right. hour train ride away, and I actually I had a kid. Uh, was about uh, 17 months ago so not as able to get out as i'd like but for that in june i think i'm definitely gonna i could i could always tell my wife you know it's for the show you know kind of give her that little excuse there yeah um, absolutely. well you know and that's important you got to be able to tell them look i'm working honey it's exactly not- yeah you know I'm, I'm doing this so what if i'm having fun and i'm very <laughs> great food this is work. This is the challenge of my job. And I'm oof, and I'm I'm definitely feeling what uh came from that uh that bourbon there. It, surprisingly the uh, the cinnamon actually did somewhat dissolve and then it <laughs> and then it created a nice sludgy me- you know the sludgy mess you'd get from some uh, breakfast cereals in the bottom of the milk. It's something not unlike that. So I I did that for for Newsy's Logan Tittle and I'm never doing that again. I'm sticking with my beer. No more bourbon. Well, I love bourbon. I'm a big fan of bourbon. I lived in Kentucky for nine years, and I became a huge bourbon fan when I lived there. Uh, and actually, there's a brewery uh, in Louisville uh, called uh, Bluegrass Brewing Company, and they were one of the first, if not the first, brewery that ever put a beer into a bourbon barrel and aged it. Oh, and their bourbon barrel stout is you want to talk about sky opening angel singing oh my goodness it is so amazing it's such a great beer yeah there there are some bourbon barrel stouts i've had where it almost it, it smacks you across the face a little bit too much whereas right. there are others where it it has that that perfect subtle balance where it works with those flavors those are my those are my favorite ones that i gravitate to yeah there's, you're right, and that's a good point because when you throw a beer into a bourbon barrel, a lot of times you don't know what you're going to get, not only because of it depends on the bourbon that was in the barrel before, it depends on how old the barrel was, it depends on what beer style you're throwing in there, um, or, or if you're adding any other additives. Uh, there's a lot that goes into that, and sometimes you just don't know. Uh, I mentioned my Imperial Stout uh, earlier. I actually have 10 gallons of my Imperial Stout that I brewed in December that, or in November that is in a bourbon barrel right now, and I'll be bottling it this week, uh, and, and I don't know what to expect. I mean, I'll, I'll crack it, and we'll see. 
Um, let's see. Marianne, did you have any other questions popping up? I'm trying to remember. Um, I have a mouthful of gummy bears. Oh, Marianne. She's, see, I, you can ask as many me. questions as you want. <laughs> holy, holy. Somebody just, just somebody put a really attractive woman on your chat. That was um, me. Oh, my. Oh, okay. It's for the, okay. It's for the changing the names. Okay. Oh, I see Logan Tittle from Newsy is in the chat. <laughs> yeah, I just, I finally found the uh, chat room. I wanted to post, uh, I found my friend's uh, bar. It's called Alewife. I don't know why I forgot that, but it's called Alewife. So I'm going to post a, uh, uh, there you go. Ah, Guess 131131. One. At least it's all, it's all ones and threes. So that works out pretty well. <laughs> I know, right? I don't remember much that way. No. Uh, yeah, you can uh, check out uh, his bar. Um, Patrick is, he is a true Irishman. Uh, he's from Ireland originally, man knows beer, loves beer, loves food. Um, he is so much fun to be around and, um, just a good guy. So definitely go visit him and tell him I sent you there. Definitely. I, I'm looking at, I'm seeing the photos on the Facebook page and I'm hungry all over again now. <laughs> I know, right? Oh, yeah. He, uh, he actually, uh, when the hurricane came through there, um, he took a big hit and um, insurance didn't cover all that stuff. So it took him a while to recover and he's still, you know, obviously they're, they've uh, recovered quite well, but uh, you know, he would, uh, he'd certainly enjoy people coming in to visit and uh, drink some great beers and he knows his stuff. He's still, yeah, still definitely needs to support. I, I will support the hell out of him. Yeah, definitely. One of my favorite stories ever um and I, I, you know, I don't know uh, if your show allows for certain stories, but oh, yeah, I would, go for it. <laughs> he, he used to be uh, out. Uh, Patrick used to be part of Rattle and Hum uh, in New York, uh, which is still a great beer bar. And uh, when I visited there, I was there in uh, 2010 or 11. I forget what year. It was 10 or 11. But we just were hanging out, and uh, I did. I love. I, I like to cook, obviously. So I made some shepherd's pie with lamb for him, and I guess I do a Texas version because I like to add a ha- just one jalapeno, just just enough to little, have a little bit of kick. Mm-hmm. And um, and so I was working in his kitchen. I was whipping up, whipping up this food, and I brought it up to everybody. Uh, and Patrick has uh, a brother, a very large brother, a very tall, stocky, muscular brother named Joe. And Joe loves being Irish, and he loves the purity of Irishness. I guess you'd say. Yeah. So he tried. Uh, Patrick tried the uh, the uh, the, the uh, shepherd's pie and loved it. His wife loved it. Joe tried it and turned around and grabbed me by the collar and said, "We do not put fucking peppers." In the fucking shepherd's pie. <laughs> <laughs> and I swear for a moment, I thought he was going to kick my ass. Oh. And, 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 and he let me go and it was all good, but he made his point. And so, you know, if I ever cook for Northeasterners again, I will not add jalapenos to the shepherd's pie. Yeah, that's, that sounds like a, a safe 
thing to do, at least with him. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, it's just one of those funny moments, and you know, he's a good dude. We we we've had a lot of fun, but uh, but he's very serious about uh, about Irishness. You don't you don't mess with an Irishman's shepherd's pie. I guess yeah, that's what it comes exactly. down to. Don't mess with that. <laughs> so that was a lot of fun. We had a good time. Well, you know what, Chris, I want to thank you for for calling in. It it has been amazing. I mean, you've been a fantastic interview. Better, better, Best better than I could have hoped. Ever. Yep. <laughs> for the first one. Yeah. Ever? <laughs> well, no, it, it, it's it's all downhill from here, I suppose. Uh, I mean, we, at least we I set, set the bar, the bar high, high, right? Yeah. yeah like Marianne said, set, we've set the bar pretty high now. Anybody else that comes on my show, they're gonna have a lot to live up to. Um. Yeah, so we're we're because we're hitting that uh, hitting that top of the hour point. So um, you want to do like a final plug for your stuff there, Chris? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, you know, right now we're really trying to build up the Facebook social media following. That's going to be very important for us as we uh, speak to uh, networks about putting the show on the air. So um, definitely uh, become friends or, or fans of the Facebook page, breweries, bars, and beer food. Uh, share it with your friends. We're going to run a competition here soon uh, where everybody that shares the page uh, will be entered in to win a prize, which that prize is to be determined, but it will be very cool. Um, so definitely follow us on Twitter, uh, Breweries Bars BF, uh, and then uh, you know hopefully uh, you'll be able to see, well, you'll be able to see uh, the, uh, the preview when we debut it with the Brewers Association on Tuesday of beer week excellent thank you very much i i'm looking forward to seeing the show and hope we get many 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 more episodes after the pilot and i'm sure you will because like like i said there's a we're hoping to and and again i i I got a chance to see it yesterday and i was like oh my gosh this just looks really really good like almost better than i thought it was going to look so it's one of those things where i feel like you know i'm going to take this to networks and and i'm going to show it to them and i think they're going to look at it and go, wow, this is really well done. I, I think they'll be fighting over it for you. So I think you'll, That's my hope. That's you'll, ha- my hope. you'll have your pick there. That's my hope. You know what? Uh, I'm looking forward to having a job that requires me to travel and drink beer and eat great food. That that sounds like the perfect job to me. <laughs> I know, right? So th- thank you again, Chris, for calling in. Um, I guess – um, that's about it for the show. Uh, everybody check out my Facebook group as well, facebook.com slash group slash alcohol by volume. Um, thank you, Marianne, for sitting in with me today. I greatly appreciate it. And, um, I guess that's it. Uh, catch me next Tuesday, alcohol by volume, more like radio. Mm-hmm.